The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Um, but no, these, these last you know, eight weeks, we, we've gone over this, this Philippians series, um, and we're just wrapping it up now, so we have a couple hours to, to be able to go through these, these last four chapters or these four chapters in this book. Um, and just kind of grab some highlights out of it. Um, you know, and I always ask myself after, after a four-week series, two-week series, eight-week series, however long it is, I always start to ask myself, you know, well, what do I do with it now? You know what I mean? Like, we go through this book and we, we get to understand, you know, who wrote this book? Why, why was it written? Who was it written to? And we get to understand all these things, all these really cool things about this book. But then after the series... What have we done for the last eight weeks? And I'm not saying as a church, I'm saying as individuals, what have we done? We, we listened to week one. Do we even remember what we talked about week one or week five or week six? And, and I, I feel like we, we always just listen and we, we come to church and it's sometimes easy to come to church. We come to church and we listen to these great series, but it's the difficult part of it is actually applying it to our life, right? The difficult part is, going through those eight weeks, and maybe we don't remember all eight weeks, which is fine. We're not judging all of us, okay? Maybe we're not, but we go through these eight weeks, and, and we tend to forget what was talked about. And so what I want to do today is, is real quickly go through these four chapters and just pick out some highlights and what we can do to actually live it out, actually live out what we've talked about these last eight weeks. Um, so just, just a, a, a quick note on this. When we read through Philippians, something I always find interesting is the word joy comes up 14 times. It's a, it's a small book. Joy comes up 14 times. And, you know, Paul was so joyful and thankful in most of his letters. Pretty much all of his letters. He was always joyful. He was always thankful. And it doesn't matter the circumstance. He, he always had some sort of joy. And I get really confused by this because I'm like, Paul, you were in prison. I, I've never been to prison, but typically when I think of like prison or being like locked up or chained up, like I don't think of that being like a happy place or my happy place or having joy or being thankful in that moment. And so I get really confused by Paul. I'm like, Paul, what do you mean you're so joyful and thankful all the time? Like that just doesn't make sense. Can we all agree that that really doesn't make sense? Like I bet if we were to talk to someone in prison, be like, hey, how thankful for, are you today? How joyful are you today? Most of them would probably be pretty upset. I, you know, I'm not joyful or thankful at all being locked up, being in prison. But, but Paul had this joy about him. And, and you know, when, when Paul has joy, and I believe he has joy, because Jesus was so real to him. And when Jesus becomes so real to us, I truly believe joy is a constant fruit in our life. It becomes a constant fruit. We can have joy in any situation because Jesus is so real to us. Jesus was so real to Paul. He knew no matter what situation he was in, he knew, he knew no matter where he was at, he could choose joy in all circumstances. And in chapter 1, we'll start out, 
he begins by saying how thankful he is and how he prays with, with so much joy to the Philippians. And in chapter 1, 9 through 11, he writes his prayer for them. And it says this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, I was reading 9, 10, 11, 9, 10, 11. I was re- reading it over and over again. And I feel like, just to simply put it, Paul was telling them, just be genuine Christians. Just be authentic Christians, right? Be real, be sincere Christians. You know, and we, I like to relate it to food, um, you know, Taco Bell was the only Mexican food I knew growing up in South Dakota. But then I come and I get to places like King Taco and Salsa and Beer. And Taco Bell, I mean, the number seven obviously is really good with like a South Shell Taco, Dr. Pepper, and then an extra South Shell Taco. The number seven's bomb there. But once you get a taste of authenticity, you can't compare it. And so I feel like when Paul is writing this prayer out, he's saying, this is my prayer for you. I feel like he's just simply saying, I, my prayer is that you guys will be authentic. My prayer is that you guys will be real, that you will be sincere Christians. And, and I, I believe that prayer applies to us today as well. That prayer is for this church. That prayer is for Christians. Is we're called to be sincere. We're called to be authentic. And the word that, that Paul uses about being blameless, it, 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 he specifically uses this word relating it to pottery. Because back in the day, there was this dishonest potters. And what they would do is they would, they would apply this wax before, before they would put on um, the glazing and the painting. They would, they would have this wax. So you wouldn't be able to tell that it, it wasn't all clay. And the only way you would be able to, to know that it wasn't authentic was you would take this pot and you would put it out in the sun. And the sun would hit it and it would get hot. And so the wax would, would start to melt. And so what they started doing, what the potters started to do, is they would, they would put a sign and they would put, this clay is without wax, or it's, it's blameless. And as Christians, we're called to walk in sincerity. Be genuine. We're called to, to walk and be blameless. And in order to do that, we need to have a real, genuine authentic relationship with Jesus. And I I believe if we begin to do that, we begin to follow him and have this authentic relationship with him, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, that's when this prayer starts to get answered. This prayer starts to get answered. This prayer that Paul had for the Philippians, it starts to get answered once we start actually following Jesus, and once we start becoming more like him, and once we start becoming more like him, our love will abound more and more. We will be able to discern what is the best in all these different situations. And we become more pure and more blameless, and we start to get filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this happens, and it only happens through Jesus. 
And if, if we aren't authentic and if, if we aren't true, sincere Christians, right, and we're just the Christian that comes to church on Sundays, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying just don't come to church on Sundays. That's not what I'm saying. But if we're just going through the motions and we're not pure, authentic, seeking after Jesus in everything that we do, I believe we'll eventually become exposed. I truly believe that the fruits that we're supposed to have, they're, they're not going to appear. appear. And, and when, diffi- when difficult situations come, when a hard time comes, that's, that's something that we're not going to be able to withstand. Right? Because when, when the sun would hit that wax, when that heat would come on that clay, that wax would start to melt, and it would become exposed. Right? And in our lives as Christians, if we aren't sincerely chasing after Jesus, if we don't truly know who Jesus is, we're not going to respond how Jesus would respond. Right? And, and, you know, I grew up in the church. I was able to grow up in the church, but I didn't have this authentic relationship with Jesus. I just knew about him, and I wasn't an authentic Christian. There's actually, this is actually a really embarrassing story, because I look back on it, and I'm like, man, I wish he would have socked me. But I'm like a sophomore in high school, right? And I go, I go to youth group. I go to church on Sundays. But other than that, I did not even pick up my Bible. Maybe I picked it up just so people knew I had it. But other than that, I wasn't really reading. I wasn't truly chasing after God. And, and there was this, <laughs> this time I was in class, and there was this, this kid sitting beside me. And he starts talking all this smack about God. And I'm like, <laughs> listening over there, and he, he's, he's an atheist, and God's not real, Jesus isn't real, and I, we almost fought, because I'm like, what do you mean you believe in God? And like, me responding in that way made Christians look like an idiot, right? Like, you want to fight because, I want to fight you because you don't believe in God. Like, imagine what Jesus was like, what? <laughs> but I didn't know, I didn't know, because I wasn't truly seeking after Jesus. I just responded out of anger. I started to become exposed and I wasn't responding how Jesus would respond in that situation. Can you imagine if like, <laughs> like Paul, right? He's persecuting Christians and all of a sudden like Jesus, God appears to him and is like, hey, let's fight instead. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. He did the complete opposite, right? He had grace on him. He had favor on him. He loved him. And so Paul is calling us to live this life of authenticity, live this Life as a sincere Christian. In chapter 2, Paul gets right into it. And he talks about living out Christ's humility. Or imitating Christ's humility. That's something I didn't have in that situation. And I was only going to read, we were only going to go over verses 2 and 3, but as I was reading, I'm like, man, this whole thing is good. Like, I just, let's, let's reread this and then we'll focus on some of these verses. But I think it's, it's really good for us to hear this. So verses In chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing 
out of selfish ambition. I feel like we're going to come back to that one. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Light bulb. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in every tongue Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, to imitate and to live a, a life of humility as Jesus lived, it's not like, I want that, boom, it's there. Right? It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that we have to be intentional about. Right? It's not all of a sudden we have this, this prayer and, and we're like, God, I want to be the most humble person in the world. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're just like Jesus. No, it's, it's not really like that. Okay, it's something that we, we need to be intentional about. It's something that we need to decide, make a decision to actually do every single day. And, and Jesus doesn't live in humility just once in the Bible. Right? We don't read the Bible and just see, oh, Jesus was very humble in that moment. And that was the only moment he was humble. no. It was actually a lifestyle that he lived. There's so many different stories that, that we could go off of and just truly show how humble he was and how he walked in humility. And can we, can we think that about ourselves? Can we, can we look back and think to ourselves, yeah, I'm a real humble person because most people who are proud don't even know what that word is, right? And can we think back in, in our lives this, this last year, did I truly live a life of humility? Did I truly live a life to where I put others' needs above my own? And if we did, that's great. If we didn't, well, we can learn something new today. But how do we do this? How do we, how do we live this out? Not just, not just in a moment, but actually, how do we live out a life of humility? And it truly begins by humbling ourselves and realizing this, okay? Realize this. It's not about me. It truly isn't. It's not about us. And in verse 3 and 4, it says this. Okay, this, is, this is the Bible speaking. This isn't me speaking. Well, I mean, I'm speaking over a mic, but reading through the Bible, right? Okay. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I feel like that's like one of those verses where you're like, but God... Right? Like, my dad would tell me to do something, and I'd be like, but dad. And he's like, who's but dad? Right? And I'm like, no, but dad, like, no, who's but dad? Right? And it's like one of those verses that you read, and you're like, but God, like, what about me? But he's saying, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is hard for like 90, this is hard for like 100% of us in here. Right? How hard is it to put others above yourself? 
I mean, of course, it's like you're in line and you tell someone, like, yeah, you can go in front of me. That's easy, unless you're at the DMV. Okay, but in most cases, it's easy to let someone in front of you. I'm talking about walking in true humility, especially if you're married or have kids or, or both. And I'm not saying you need to learn humility and go out and have kids or get married. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But in my life, I found out real quick getting married and having kids, you need to walk in humility. And there was a couple weeks ago, I think it was about three weeks ago, we, we went to this wedding. My wife's cousin had a wedding. Um, and so we went to this wedding, and it was on a Saturday. And I don't know if you guys know this, but typically on Saturdays, there's this thing on TV from like 9 a.m. or even before that, all the way to like 11 p.m. midnight, just kind of depending where you're at. It's called college football. And from like end of August all the way to like January, that's something that I'm obsessed with, okay, on Saturdays. Sometimes I watch it Thursdays or Fridays, but you, typically it's Saturdays. And there's a particular team that I, I, I really like and, um, you know, I, I follow very closely. I know every shoe size of the player. I know where they're from, their parents' name, Social Security, all that stuff. So I really like this team. And we're in Bakersfield at this wedding, and my particular team is playing this team that really nobody cares about, UCLA. And so I really was interested in this game, knowing, knowing who was going to win. I still wanted to watch this game. But I'm at this wedding. Okay, and going in, I'm like, USC is going to beat them. I don't, you know, I, I don't need to watch it. But as the time got closer, I was getting more and more interested. I'm like, but it's college football. But it's USC. I can't miss a game. And so I'm like, it won't be bad if I just check the score, right? And I'm at this, again, I'm at this wedding, this this moment where two people who love each other so much, this beautiful moment, they're coming together, making a decision that they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. And we're there to support them. We're there to encourage them. And I'm at the table watching the game on my phone. That wasn't a humble moment for me. (laughs) And Lily comes up and she's like, you know, college football, you're just different. I'm like, no, I'm not, Lily. Let me watch a game, right? I didn't lay down my life in that moment. And that's, that's a small example, okay? But it's called football. That's like a butt dad moment. But dad, but, but it's called football, right? No, I should have been, and, and I truly do feel bad, kind of, sort of. But really, I, I'm thinking back and I'm sitting there, and why was I not in that moment, in that beautiful moment with those people, right? With family. Rather, I'm stuck on my phone watching this game. I didn't have to watch this game. I chose to watch this game. I chose not to humble myself. I chose not to walk in humility. I chose selfish ambition over other people. Or like when you have kids, like my son, every single morning, it never fails. He comes in the room and he says, Daddy, I want leche. So I have to wake up every single morning and get him his milk. Every single morning. Amelie, my baby girl, she she, she really can't do anything for herself, so we're always doing things for her. Like, she can't change the channel. She can't feed herself. Well, she kind of feed herself now, but, you know, she can't change her own diapers. So, of course, we have to do that as well. And, and we don't do this because we have to do this. Okay? We do this because we choose to do this. We, we, we love our kids. So we decide. We make a decision. We're going to walk in humility. We're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to put our kids above our own interests. Right? Like when Josiah wants to watch dinosaurs and, and, and all the, the car movies and TV shows and there's college football on, <laughs> those are some fighting words, Josiah, but I've decided 
Let's put that on first, right? Because I want the joy, I want to see the joy come from my son. And I think that's how Jesus looks at us. I think when Jesus sees us and he decided to actually humble himself, he can then see the joy that we have in knowing that he died on the cross for us. And the joy that he sees when his sons and daughters actually step out and humble themselves and put others above their own. And I I just want to get this clear. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this, who cares about your life? I'm, that's not, I'm not saying that you're not important, that you don't have value. That's, that's the complete opposite. We all have value. We all have worth. We're all important. Jesus made that very clear. But he also made it very clear that we're to lay our lives down for others. He, he also made it very clear that we need to walk in humility. And I believe that, that when we decide to humble ourselves, when we come to that moment and we're like, God, okay, I want to learn this. I want to do this. I want to walk in humility. That's what you did, so I want to do this. I believe that God begins this transformation once we begin to humble ourselves. And as that transformation begins in our heart, we begin to see life a lot differently. You know, we, see, we start to see people how Jesus saw people. And that only begins with that transformation in our heart. It's, it's hard to see people like Jesus looked at people when we're not living how Jesus lived. And Jesus always saw value in people. He always valued others above himself. That's hard. That's difficult. That's very hard to do, especially when you don't like the person. That's really hard to do. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to put others above ourselves. You know, two of my favorite examples I've shared before, but since you guys asked, I'm going to share them again real quick. And Pastor Brian actually kind of read a little bit about it, but when, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, you know, he, he got down on his knees. You know, he's the king. He's king. But he stepped down and became a servant to his disciple. He became a servant to the least of these. You know, and I see that in, in, in foot washing, had, had such an, an amazing impact and what it truly meant. You know, and I see that, and the word servant in, in the world today is, is kind of looked at, for, for people who are servants, they're, they're looked down upon. But Jesus actually taught the complete opposite. He calls us to become servants first. He doesn't call us to be served, but he, he calls us to actually step out and serve. And again, we can only do this when we ask to be humbled. When we ask and we want to desire to live a life of humility. And the other one, I don't know if you, this is kind of a popular story, but Jesus actually died on the cross for us. Okay, that, that's probably the most important. And we see that and we see what that truly meant. God literally, God, the one that created us, came down to this earth Hey, just think about this for a second. Came down to this earth and chose to die on the cross for us. He, he didn't have to do this. And, and if we remember right, before that he was praying and he's, he's asking God, if there's any other way, <laughs> let's, let's try going that route. But if this is your will, I'm going to do it. Why? Because 
he humbled himself and he decided that, that everybody has value. And I think for a lot of us to understand that, we know when someone dies for someone else, they're a hero, right? Someone jumps out in front of a bullet. They're called a hero. People laying their lives down for us in the military, they're called heroes. When they come back home, we, we call them heroes. And Jesus lived that out every single day in his life. And when he died on the cross, that was the moment where he truly put himself below everybody else so that we could then become in relationship with him and understand what walking in humility is. Chapter 3, it's staying focused and, and pressing on. In, in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, it says this. Not 14s, there's not two 14s, there's only one 14, so I'll say that again. Philippians 3, 12 and 14, through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, one thing I admire about Paul is he truly lived out the words that he wrote. He truly lived out the words that he spoke. And no matter the circumstance, he always chose to press on. And we see that throughout his life. No matter where he was at in his life, what was going on, the storm in his life, the bad things, the good things, he chose to press on. And the choice that he made, as we see, is, is to rejoice and be joyful. And it's really hard, I've, I've come to learn, it's really hard to, to rejoice and be joyful in every moment in my life because life is like this roller coaster, right? And for some of us, it just continues to go down sometimes. And, and I look at that and I'm like, man, I don't know how you did it, Paul. But I think truly pressing on means we have our mindset on this goal and there is nothing that is going to stop us from reaching that goal. And, and, and I, I look at it like this. Just, just think if in like track and field stands because they, they like to relate things to, to track and field back then. And like the Olympics come and there's this track and field event like the 400 meters. Right? And all of a sudden, these guys are ready. They, they've been training their whole life for this. Um, and, and their ultimate goal is to what? Get first place in this race, right? Get that gold medal. That, that's the ultimate goal. If you don't know track and field, you, you start at one point, and then you run to another point, and that's like the end. That, that's your goal. And your goal is to win, not to lose. And I just imagine this guy getting ready down on the blocks, and all of a sudden that gun goes off, and he takes off, and he's in, he's in front of everybody. And at 100 meters, now keep in mind, they're going 400 meters. At 100 meters, he just stops and he just walks off the track. And everybody's like, what's he doing? Right? And his coach comes up and he's like, what, what are you doing? He's like, did you not see how good my start was? Did you not see? I was winning the whole, the, the whole 100 meters. I was winning. Yeah, but the point is to go to the finish, to keep pressing on to the ultimate goal. Why? Just because things are going good or going bad, you don't stop. You continue to, to press on. And, and in our life, 
Just because something's going bad in your life, God doesn't call us to say, okay, give up. Or just because things are going really good, we just get to roll, like, go out with it, you know? Just, just go with the flow. No, we continue to press on through life's circumstances. We continue to move forward through life's ups and downs. And I feel like we, we forget this because things get blurry or, or things get forgotten. Our, our, our goals get blurry, our goals get forgotten. But as Christians, we should know that our ultimate goal is this, to spend eternity with Jesus. That, that's our ultimate goal, is to be in this relationship with Jesus and have this opportunity to spend eternity with him. And it gets blurry. Yes, it gets blurry. And sometimes we get confused and we, we don't really know where we're going. But you can be in the middle of a storm and still know where your ultimate goal is, even though you can't see it. You can be in, in a, a moment in life where you have no idea what's going on. That's a lot of times for me in my life. I have no idea what's going on, but I know that I have an ultimate goal. And I know I need to press on towards that ultimate goal. And I feel like they get blurry. And there's, there's a couple different reasons why they get blurry. Because we focus on our past a lot. Right? How many people like to focus on their past and relive the past? Has anybody ever heard of this guy named Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite? If not you got to watch. He liked, he liked to live in the past, right? If he, he could throw this football over the mountains, coach would have put him in, they would have won state football, right? He liked to live in the past. He didn't like to live in that moment. Now, he didn't like to live pressing towards that goal. And we, we hold on to our past a lot. We hold on to our past failures, our past regrets. I feel like that could be a really good song. We hold on to our past sins, but we also hold on to our, our past accomplishments and our success in ministry. I feel like just because we, we did something good in the church, we don't do it again. Right? We're like, that was such an amazing time. We did that. And there was like 10 people to come know the Lord. And then we just, we hold on to that and we just keep moving forward. And we're like, wait, why don't we continue to do that then? Because if it worked then, let's just not focus on that. Let's, let's keep that a focus and take that with us as we press on and as we move forward towards this goal. One thing I've learned is this. Well, I've learned a lot of things, but this is a major thing I've learned. We can't always choose our situations. We truly cannot always choose the situations that we're put in. Some of us can, but not all the time. We, we can't always choose that. That certain situation you're in right now, maybe you chose to be here. Maybe you're forced to come here. But we can always choose how we respond to that situation. Okay, let me say that again. You can't always choose the situation you're in, but you can choose how to respond to that situation. Something bad happens in your life, and you had no control of it. You can't control that situation. But you choose how you respond to that situation. Are you going to respond out of anger and hate? Are you going to respond out of joy and love? Right? You get fired. Hallelujah! No, that's, I don't think that really that's the joy Paul was talking about. The joy Paul was talking about was, I'm joyful because I know that God is in control. Even though I got fired, even though I got let go, I'm not joyful for that. Of course I'm upset about that. But I'm not going to dwell on that because I'm joyful that God is in control. I'm thankful 
that God is in control of my life. I truly didn't get fired. That was just an example. I'm, I'm joyful that God is in complete control of my life. Certain, certain relationships in your life, certain things in your life happen. Maybe, maybe someone passes away. You cannot control that, but you can control how you respond and know that God has a greater purpose and know that God is in control and he's going to carry you through that situation. He will. That's his promise. He's a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. And no matter the situation we're in, he's going to carry us out and give us that vision back of where our ultimate goal is. How do we, how do, we do this, though? How do we, how do we press on? Because the whole point of this, this recap, this highlight, is not just to go over these verses, right? But really, how do we apply these to our lives? How do we walk in humility? Right? How do, we, how do we press on? And I think a lot of it has to do with the life that we live, the people that we surround ourselves by, and the moments we choose joy. And I think we need to begin with choosing joy in all circumstances. And we can say that over and over again, but until we, we truly decide to choose that, then that's when we begin to live that out. And I think the number two is, is knowing that our ultimate goal is Jesus. In chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, Paul lived a life committed to God. And, and Jesus was truly his everything. The moment, the moment he had that conversion is the moment that he switched everything in his life, turned everything in his life around and committed himself to God. And he's encouraging and challenging the Philippians to do the same thing in this particular verse. And I think that's also written to us. He's challenging us and he's encouraging us to do this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Just live it out. The things that the things that Paul's writing, the things that Jesus did, they're calling us to actually live it out. Not, not just to come to church and, and listen. Not just to say we believe in God. But to actually live out what the gospel says. To actually walk in humility, to actually put others above yourself, to actually share your french fries, right? To actually put others above yourself. And it's, it's easy, it really is, I think anyways, I think it's easy to come to church and hear these words. Because you just sit there, you, you listen, and it's easy to say, amen, brother, you know what, you are right on that. It's easy to agree, it's easy to agree with people. It's easy to say, you know what, I'm praying for you, right? How's, your, how's everything going? Oh, I'm struggling with this. We're praying for you. Right? That's the Christian lingo. <laughs> how's everything going? Uh, life's hard. You know, just know we're praying for you, and you don't even remember their name after you leave the door. Or you open the door for someone, right? That's great. That's, that's great that we're doing those things. But it's difficult to actually put these things into practice, it's actually difficult to live 
how Jesus lived. It's, it's very hard to do if I can get the worship team to come up. And I, we, we've never been promised ever that living as a Christian is easy. At least I, I've never seen it. But I think when we have Jesus with us and we choose joy in every situation, it definitely gets easier. And, and sometimes it requires to get uncomfortable. Right? Sometimes these things require for us to, to step out of our comfort zone and get uncomfortable. And if you're like me, I hate being uncomfortable. And I'm not just talking sleep. I'm just not talking clothes. I'm talking uncomfortable situations. Right? Some of my friends thrive off awkward situations. There's times where I really like awkward situations. Just when I'm not involved or like in the center of it, right? Like looking from the outside, there, there's stories that of, of awkward things that are going on and I die laughing. I'm like, that is so funny. But then I think if I, that was me, I'd be embarrassed. I would hate that. And I, I don't like uncomfortable situations. And, and to be honest, I don't like public speaking. I don't like being in front of people. I don't like being the center of attention. I, I truly don't like those things. But there was, there was this calling that God had on my life, right? And I had to make that decision. I need to step out and stop being uncomfortable in moments like these because your love is so hard to hold back. The love of God is so hard not to express. It's really difficult. Once you experience the love of God, it's really difficult not to talk about it, right? Just like when you have a really good cherry cheesecake and specifically where it's from, it's really hard not to tell people where you got that cherry cheesecake or where you got this certain food or the best thing that you have ever had. Of course, you want to tell people about it. And that's how I feel when I think about God and what Jesus did on the cross. I'm willing to step out and be uncomfortable in certain situations. You know, going up to someone that you have no idea who they are and telling them that God loves them, that's, that's awkward, that's weird, right? That's uncomfortable. But God calls us to be uncomfortable. He doesn't call us to live a comfortable life. He calls us to step out and do things that, that we can't do on our own. And I feel like on, in on uncomfortable situations, we really need to trust and ask God to be with us in those situations. And sometimes love really drives us, drives us to do these crazy things. And I'm not talking like a crazy ex type thing. I'm, I'm, I'm truly talking the love of Jesus drives us to do these crazy things. And I think some of us can relate to that. Like you look back and the decision that you, you made to, to live for Jesus, you're like, why did I give that up? And then you remember the faithfulness of God, the love of God that, that he has for all of us. You know, and, and as we're, we're closing this, just to touch again on, on this baptism, it's uncomfortable, especially if that water's cold. I mean, it, it's uncomfortable. Or if your Speedo's too tight, whatever it is, it's, it's uncomfortable. They got some trunks back there. I, I'm, I haven't checked them out, but they might be some Speedos. Right? But that comes like to chest high, so nobody's going to see anyways. Just the people back there. But 
being thrown down in water in front of people and people looking at you, that's uncomfortable. But God's calling you out to step out in faith and to step out in obedience, to live a life of obedience. And I truly believe God honors that. You know, we, we can't just pick and choose things out of the Bible that, that we want to do. If you want to be a Christian, you have to be humble. You have to walk in humility. If you want to be a Christian, you need to express the love that you have for Jesus. And all baptism really is, it's an outward expression for an inward change. You're deciding to die to your old self, and you're having this inward change in your life. That's really all it is, and and Jesus calls us to do that. And if you haven't been baptized, I, I really want to encourage you guys to step out. Step out of your, your, your comfortable lifestyle. And, and don't put it off anymore. God's calling you to do these things. God's calling us to live this out. He's calling us to, to walk in humility. He's calling us to be baptized. He's calling us to put others above ourselves. And, and as individuals and as a whole church, I want to challenge everybody Let's actually do this. You know, that New Year's resolution isn't too late. We're still in 2016. You still have all of December to do it. We still have all of December to do things. We, we, sometimes we think we're like, well, I'll just start next week, or I'll start in three weeks, or I'll start next month, or I'll start, I'll start in 2017. Right? No, let, let's start this right now. Let's begin to walk in humility right now, not only as individuals, but as a whole church. Can you imagine if we began, every single person in here, where you began to walk in humility that in, in front of everybody that we came into contact with, right? I, I'm in contact with, with hundreds of people every single week. If I put them above me every moment this next week, I guarantee they would see the love of Jesus. I guarantee at your workplace, at your school, wherever you're at, people are going to begin to see the love of Jesus when you're walking in humility. And I just want to encourage you guys. It's a hard prayer. It's a really hard prayer to ask God to humble you. It's a difficult thing to do, but, but I truly believe that he calls us to do that. And the question is, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to this letter that Paul wrote? Are you just going to forget about it? These last eight weeks, nine weeks, and just say, oh, that was a cool book. I'm glad... I'm glad Paul was joyful in prison. But are we going to apply this to our life? Are we going to start to apply these things to our life? Because if, if we're not, then we're really not living out what Jesus has called us to do. So my encouragement today is this. Truly live it out. Live out this book. Live out this word. Live out what God is honestly calling us to do. Let's pray. Jesus, we're, we're so thankful for, for just your life and, and how you live, God. And, and I, I just pray right now, God, that, that we would begin to have a better understanding of how we can do the same, of how we can live a life how you lived, how we can put others above ourselves, God, that we would throw away any selfish ambition that we have, to greater the glory, to greater your kingdom, God. 
And I just pray if, if, you're, if you're tugging on anybody's heart right now, God, to step up and be baptized today, Lord, that you would help them with that. You would help them walk through that. That they wouldn't have to be uncomfortable, Lord, because you would be with them. God, we love you for everything that you're doing, everything that you're going to continuously do, not only in our lives, Jesus, but in this church. We truly believe that you're going to use us for the rest of 2016 to bring people to come to know who you are. That you're going to use each person that's willing, each person that is willing to lay down their life, laying down their rights, laying down their pride, God, for your kingdom. We love you in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.